The Creative Trust podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which we create and record this podcast as the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. There is a whole hierarchy above them and you need to arm your client with the ability to communicate up. The Creative Trust podcast is an exploration into the minds of some of the world's best creatives. We are endlessly fascinated with the ephemeral and the intangible. We make sense of it through our creative process. Over the last two decades, we have created countless installations, each one put up, pulled down, each one leaving an enduring mark on its audience. Gloss Creative and our stellar alumni share everything with you, how people become creative and what we know to be true about the creative process. Amanda Henderson founded Gloss Creative as her way of navigating creatively through life, learning early on that she could make audiences fall in love with environments simply by making them feel and experience something. Memories that last long after the physical immersion have gone. It crystallized her long-held belief that your business plan is to harness your unbridled creative force. And creative renewal is your most important weapon over time. Welcome to the Creative Trust. Welcome everybody back to season four of the Creative Trust podcast. Well, I'm here in a new studio. The Pop Plant Boys are now here in Paran, so I didn't have to tidy my apartment today <laughs> to get ready. We just got in the car and came here, which is fantastic. So I'd like to say a massive welcome to Kelly Thompson, who you probably know, who was uh, is our creative director and CEO of Maker's Market. Kelly came to us in season two or three. Two, maybe. Maybe two. I can't remember. For the colour conversation which was with the best conversation. Patty, which was amazing. <laughs> and Steph D'Alberto, who's the creative director of The Big Group, who do amazing events. And Steph's been with us before with Bruce when we were talking about events. And also you came onto the mood board episode, one of our very first episodes. So thank you for coming back. I can't wait to see what you've got to say about this today. Also, I've got Zara Gustella next to us, who is our podcast producer and also amazing makeup artist as well. And she's going to be asking some questions. And also she's got all of the notes from the questions that we've had from, you know, community questions, people asking questions when we've asked for them. So hopefully we can give some shout outs to some people today as well. So, all right, say no to free pitching. We did a post on this, I don't know, at the end of last year, and we got an amazingly strong reaction. And I guess the free pitching question for me early on in our you know, business life was always a fuzzy, clouded, unsure process that I sort of just said yes and went along with everything and didn't really understand what I was doing. And then eventually the story goes, a Sydney shopping centre had asked us to come up with amazing ideas for something we were doing. They rang and they said, oh, we really, this is just a job for you. It's so you, we want you to do it. Anyway, we did it. And of course they went in a different direction <laughs> and we eventually 
worked out that over a two-year span, we'd done five pitches and received no work. And that was like a big thing for me to go, what are we doing this for? Why, why, why are we doing it? So I basically just worked out ways that we could procure work without pitching. It was difficult at first, but we did work it out. And obviously, uh, being a member of the Design Institute of Australia, part of their, I guess, remit is to say no to free pitching, which always, especially when you're starting out, always really befuddled me, you know, as a younger person, you know, just starting out, how can you get that work? So we've worked out a lot of ways since then, and I'm certain to share them with you today. But in the first instance, Kelly, I'd love to ask you about your experiences, you know, with pitching and do you or don't you? I don't anymore. Um, I definitely try to avoid it. And then if people ask for it, then I always push back and try and get at least a small budget for my time, mainly because I don't know if there are any other industries where you're asked to work for free and the amount of time that can go into a pitch is just ridiculous. So you want to get compensation for it if you can. Um, at the start, when I was a young illustrator, I definitely did some pitches for free just because, you know, if a big agency comes to you and they're like, we want you to pitch and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just happy that you know my name kind of thing. Yes. And so I definitely did start out like that. But then after a while, and I did have an agent at the time as well, who also did encourage free pitching occasionally. But then after a while, I was just like, nah, I'm not going to do it anymore. I just don't think it's fair for the amount of time that you have to put in to the work. Absolutely. What about you, Steph? What's your view on it? My personal view is no to free pitching because I think everybody's time is worth something and it's you need to honour that. And I think if you're in the position where you're asking somebody to pitch, I think part of the due diligence on your end is to make sure that you can cover off that base when you go out and take that to market. But then having said it on the flip side, I've pitched for so many things um, without remuneration it's so hard because in the particular business I work at the moment, the breadth and depth of projects that I work on is quite vast. So sometimes we are going to tender for major venue contracts or sometimes where it's for a execution in the birdcage or it's for a private party. And every time you go into those different um, sort of industries, the re-education with the different group that you're working with every time, it becomes a very time-consuming conversation each time because you're having it with a new person over and over again. I think it's probably easier to sort of have that conversation when you've got more regular clients within the one industry, but we kind of snooker ourselves often because we're trying to cover so many bases at the one time, yeah. Very vast. Yeah. So, how many times would you pitch a year, or a percentage of the time? Let's uh, say with uh, we've gotten a bit. Yeah, yeah, probably. To be honest, it's like we probably have a very high rate. I think because we're a larger company as well, it's easier for us to put the sort of that the financial um, money aside and resources aside to be able to capture that within our business. But Mm. as a sole, like a trader, you Mm. can't do that because every hour that you work is potential for you to earn money. Mm. And it's a lot to ask somebody to do something for free when they are the main breadwinner. That means I don't get any money for that week or whatever. Exactly. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was good to hear with the community questions too. There's quite a few people who said that they won't do it now, Mm. which was really, really a great, a 
a great co- you know comment from people, which I was really pleased to hear because mm. I would say even five to ten years ago, people were still asking for tenders. Um, and I guess one of the most alarming things to be aware of was when you'd get a call and people wouldn't even tell you it was a tender. Mm, I think, yeah. you know, we want you to, to do this job for us. And you're like, yay. Yay, yay. we've got this job, you know. Happens but a lot. Yeah. So, so sneaky. Mm. I guess that's my pers- first piece of advice is to ask questions. Yeah. When people ring you, I've found, I've plucked up the courage to ask, you know, and who else are you talking to? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, uh, I think is a really great uh, script piece for those taking notes. What are the you know? top questions that you would ask? So the questions that I ask are, who else are you talking to? Yeah. Um, is this a pitch? You know, if you hear the word proposal, mm, it's a pitch. You know, so I they're the sort of questions that I'd be asking in the first instance, I think, is, yeah, just find out if it is a pitch. And then I guess you can decide, I think. So generally for me and us, it's a no, generally. I pretty You've earned your stripes. Yeah. Well, but also too, it's like, you know, small, as you said, small businesses, hmm. you can't put aside that, those sorts of resources. No no. So I think in the first instance, we say no, if we can. And it's a matter of education. We're not just saying, oh, no, we don't free pitch because we're too fabulous or whatever. We say that, you know, in other industries, if you're a stylist, no one's asking you to free pitch. No. No, you know, um, that's another great piece of advice. If you're actually starting out, tell people you're a stylist because um, no one ever asked stylists to pitch. Oh, really? I didn't know oh, Yeah, that. I didn't realise that either. Yeah, yeah, no, they just pick... It's like picking an artist. Yeah. They'll just say, yeah. we love your work. We want you to do it. Got it. Same yeah. with the stylist. That's the type of work we want. Mm. They won't pitch against anyone. So weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of the same with, say, like telecommunications company. You don't get to, you don't ask Vodafone and Telstra and Optus to pitch to see if you want to go on their plan with their phone. No. You know, no. like, so why should we do it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> you don't get to test them out first to see if yeah. you mind them before you commit to them. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, the dentist scenario. Fill, fill one of my teeth and if I'm happy with it, then I'll pay. Mm, <laughs> exactly. That's never going to happen. So we have three no's to free pitching and plenty more in the community. Is there ever a time where you would say yes to free pitching? Absolutely. I think if you really think about it, there are some amazing jobs that you can get and that will last and go for a long period of time and you can create a long-term relationship for people with a team of people in very big companies. So the yes for me, some of the best work has been, you know, through pitching with major companies, you know, in the art world or in the retail world, you can get those jobs and build over time because not all pitches are every time. Sometimes mm. it's a pitch for two or three years at a time you have that work and mm, you yeah. can, yeah. which is really what it's want. about. Yeah. Mm. And in that case, what I've done in those scenarios is I've said to the people who are doing the, you know, the procurement, if I do this pitch for you, this is what I want in return. Right. I've said, I want to know who I'm pitching against so that I can work out if yeah. I want, well, if I want to do it or not. Yeah. 
hmm. you know, um, and yeah, I want to know who I'm pitching against. And I think that's a fair call because I do have a theory and it's if there are four people pitching for something, you have to make sure that you're in the top two. Mm. Yes. So by knowing who's pitching, you can tell there's an incumbent, there's someone who already has the work and it's most likely that they're going to get it again. The second company or group of people are the people who maybe could challenge them. And I always love to know and find out how long the incumbent has been there and is there a mood for change? You know, like um, they might have been there so long, you're thinking maybe they're looking for something new, you know. And then um, there's usually two other people. One might be someone who's an up-and-comer, that sort of thing, and one Wild other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I feel like you've got to feel like you're in the top two yeah. to even consider it. And then I'd be looking for mood for change. And I know people say, oh, our tenders are fair and the best person gets the best job. But it's not true. <laughs> it's no, not. they no. pick. They make the rules. Yeah, and um, the contracts to suit themselves, as they should. Like it's so. My theory is that you can also make the rules to suit yourself and negotiate what you want out of that tender process. Yeah. Why not? You can ask. If you don't ask, you won't get. So yeah. So I do think with the pitching, it's a yes if you feel like you're going to get amazing work from it. I also think it could be a yes if it's a company that you really believe in, you know, like someone who, say, if you yes. were really interested in the environment and someone like Greenpeace were like, hey, we want you to pitch on something and they're like, we don't have the budget for the pitch. But if that was really aligned with your morals or your ethos values. and your work values, you know, then, then that, that would be okay. Yeah. If you really mm. wanted to mm. work with them and you're like, I love them, you know. Yeah, because mm. that's fun. And yeah. I also think it's okay to pitch, say, not if you're approached by someone, but if you really want to work with someone. And you really want to get in there and you're just like, okay, you don't know me yet, but how about I come up with some ideas for you and then we'll see if you like them and go from there. Just as long as you set the parameters around like how many things you're going to deliver or if they get to have revisions and things like that. I think yes. like I'm very pro getting in front of people. Yeah. And if, you've done amazing like fashion collaborations like that as well, haven't you? Yeah. Well, lots of the work that I've done has actually just come from me just being like, hey, I love you guys. Do you want to work together? And then they're just like. Yeah, and it goes on from there. Or a lot of the work that I've done has come from people that I've met in the past and we're just kept in touch. And then 10 years later, they're the head of whatever, some agency or some fashion brand or whatever. And then we've kept in touch and gone that way. So a lot of my work is just from long-term relationships or just not being a dick in my past life. And it comes <laughs> it comes to fruition later, Winning. you know. <laughs> not, not burning bridges behind you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I guess, you know, this is also a conversation about how to procure work. Yeah. So, yes, mm. we're talking about no to free pitching. But, I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's important to pitch yourself. But when it's yeah. your own, when you're the person driving it, then you have yeah. the power and that makes it better, you know. like Yeah, completely. And lots of people, if you said to them, I really want to work for you, if you said to them, I will put together a few ideas and like map it out. And most people would say yes. Yeah. You know? And maybe like going into that, if you don't have a relationship with them already, you could have just make them sign an NDA or just mm-hmm. something so that you're protected and they don't just take your idea and run. But yeah. um, I think that's a really good way to make, make new connections and meet new clients. And I think that was something that you said in one of the podcasts earlier was that your work is the best thing to do. 
like do your work yeah. well and the artist then people, who makes the work gets the work yeah and, and notice you'll get your work will get noticed if you're putting it out there and you're doing yeah, work because um, even in the last yeah. say six months to a year I've been focusing on the online store and so the amount of inquiries I've been getting about illustration work or creative work has dropped off but it's just like where you put your energy your energy flows so correct even this year I've started doing it some more illustration work again and then it's so funny like two weeks later people will be like oh we've got this job for you and I'm like how did you know you know it's (laughs) kind of like a bit of out of sight out of mind isn't it yeah it really is I think like if you focus on it somehow I don't want to say the universe delivers because that sounds like such a heavy thing to say, but the Mm. work gets the work. And it is true. I do often check our Instagram. (laughs) I was saying to Sarah the other day, it just looks like I'm having holidays all the time. We (laughs) really (laughs) need to put some work up now. The advice that I give um, me, well, (laughs) people, in the creative field, particularly when they're moving from one sort of uh, they're wanting to develop their creative career and do different things is post the work that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So you keep posting holidays. Exactly. And Dan Castano said that as well. Yeah. It's like you have to be doing it if you want to be booked for it. Yeah. And it, it's true. It is it's it kind of. And even is just the best the way. practice of doing it means that you're ready for it when you do get booked for it, you know. You don't want mm. to just do one thing and then someone's like, can you do that? And you're like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and Steph, tell me, like with your pitching, how do you go about it? How do you decide? How do you go about it? Depends on what like avenue we're pitching for. So example, because we've got the sort of three different revenue streams within the big group. So the probably the most volume of um, pitches we do is for um, speculative tenders for um, new venues. So example, and they've, they're a worthwhile investment for our time and it would be great if they were paid pitches, but I've not actually seen a paid pitch to date and I've been there seven years nearly. So it's a long time to have not seen a paid pitch, but because they generally have tenure. So we're talking about potentially securing a venue for five to 21 oh, years so even. So there's a, a massive longevity and a massive there's a win. There's a big win. If it wins. Yeah. yeah. So it, and they're a bit of a different one. They start with an expression of interest. So it generally it's more, who are you as a business? Like what could you potentially see happening in, with this location X, Y, and Z? And so it's on you how much you want to put into that yeah, based off how much you want to win the work. Um, and then it gets whittled down from there till you're awarded the tender. But it generally goes through, through three or four rounds. So every time you're a little bit more invested, you know, a few more people have been taken out of the pool and you can sort of see that you're getting to the pointy end. So it's up to you how much effort you want to put in it and how badly you want to win it. So generally those we've been quite successful for the ones we've really wanted to get. And we're a lot of this year, I think this will be across the board. I think a lot of people this year will be working on speculative work. I think 2023 is going to be quite a quiet year in terms of regrouping post that COVID craziness. And then 2022, everybody came out guns blazing. I think 2023 is going to be a, a consolidation period for everybody where everybody's cleaning house, figuring out where they want to take the future of their businesses. So I feel like this is a great timing to start talking about free pitching and, you know, arming sole traders and more and smaller companies in that with a way to approach this quieter year with setting themselves up for the future. So I think it's perfect timing to talk this discussion. When you've won the pitching that you've done, 
what is it do you, that you think you've done that's made you go ahead of the others? I think strongly identifying who you are and the team you're working with and sort of like really defining yourself as having a point of difference to everybody else and being able to deliver something that somebody else can't deliver. I think that always, uh, annoyingly sometimes for some of the more generic things we do, it does literally come down to dollars and cents. But when it's a true creative pitch, the differentiating yourself and, you know, bringing the most innovative um, insightful point of view on the pitch that you've been given is always going to win out over everybody else. Uh, and I think that's a really good point to make. Mm. Always try and win with your creativity. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I do have a thing, probably mm. a little bit different for what you're doing, but I will never compete on price. No. You know, when people come to us and say, oh, you tell us, you know, how much you this will cost. I said, no, no. I need a budget from you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I will, and I will spend every cent of it creating amazing brand value yeah. for, you, for you. I I just can't compete on price. I'm not going to because mm -hmm. that's not where, what we're about. It doesn't yeah. actually matter what the budget is. We'll spend every cent of it and we'll do the very best we can. So I think really important not to pitch on price. On the other side of our business, we do a lot of high end private work. And that is actually that we definitely don't pitch for that. And we will only do a creative um, concept if we've been given the job. But they're really hard because it's a full education piece with the client about how totally. much things cost. Oh, God, totally. And so then on the other side, it's quite hard. So they'll buy into your creativity and what you want to do for them. But then at the same time, they're always horrified at the cost because it is a singular fleeting moment that they're investing a lot of money in but then at the same time it's a very emotionally loaded at the same time because it's their wedding or their one special day or their this one moment so you don't often ask get asked for pitching in that regard but then you've sort of got to pitch the investment more mm, so mm. that's actually, hard I think we so, had a comment on that didn't yeah, we yeah there is a studio in Perth called Duo Events Creative Studio that they were a solid no to free pitching and talked a bit about well their comment was more about the bigger picture of educating the industry which is exactly what you've been saying Steph yeah. you know it's the relationship between in individual businesses and creatives and their clients and just seeing the value in educating people through the creative process as well. Yeah. So then, you know, hopefully the, the word spreads. We had a couple of comments from people in Perth, all over Australia, basically going, it's it's rife everywhere, the, the free pitching. But uh, one in particular question that we had from Freeland VM was over-quoting and under-quoting. Also, how do you realign client expectations? Oh, such mm. a good question. <laughs> I think it's really important yeah. at the start when you do, like when I used to work as an agent for artists, the main thing that we would always drill home in the office was that it's really important to say exactly what you get for your money. So say like, this is the budget, but this is the breakdown. So this is how many revisions you'll get. This is how many things the artist is going to deliver. Once it gets to this point, if it goes over that, then there's going to be an extra cost involved. And I think that a lot of people, especially in the creative industry, don't get that part right. And that's yeah. where a lot of jobs fall apart because the client's like, I'm paying this much money. I'm getting whatever I want until I get the final product that I require. Whereas yeah. the creative is like, no, you're getting 
three deliveries with this many rounds of revisions and that's it. And if you don't communicate that at the start, then it's all going to fall apart. So mm. I almost feel like it would be really great if someone, not me, <laughs> developed just like a yeah. base template for that, even for just like young people who are starting out who have no idea because obviously like we've been in the industry for ages so we all know how to do it and we know mm. we've kind of got to a point now that people come to us for what we're what we have and it's not us like clambering for work all the time but a lot of people who are starting out they just don't know what they're supposed to do and yes. so then that's yes. how like the first six years of your freelance career can be a nightmare when you're just spending you're basically paying the client sometimes to do their project because you're not making any money on the revisions yeah. and things Agreed. Clarity and communication is key to that um, process. And I think the constant um, re sort of realignment to the original um, brief is really important too. Because, like, it, you know, we've probably all worked on projects that go completely wayward at some point. And when you look back at it, you go, why, how did we end up here? Mm. Yes. And every time you go back and look at that point, you go, ah, oh, it was that exact moment when I didn't say that, you know, if you want to take that that's going to be a variation and that will change. Yeah. And I think it's just, it is unfortunately also something you've got to endure. Yeah. Sadly, you've got to, you've got to. And also, I do think you make your money at the beginning of the project. 100%. So exactly what you're saying, Steph, if you don't say whatever you want to say up front, whether it's written down or what you're going to get, what you're going to deliver, what are the things that could happen outside of that that we don't know that are going to happen mm -hmm. um, and have those scenarios factored into it with budget, with resources, you know, with graphics. We all know graphics and printing blows out mm -hmm. every time. Yeah. And timelines. and ti yeah, yeah, all of that. So I feel like if you can capture that in a document when you're starting, mm. um, it takes away the angst. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about education. I think that thing of this is the way the process goes with the client. If you can tell them what's going to happen along the way and so that when you get there you go, remember, we talked about that this, <laughs> yeah. this is what happens now. And having it in writing. And having it yeah. in writing does help. And it's not that you want to be, you know, crazy strict. It's that sometimes you'll end up being worse off because someone thought you know, mm. didn't understand what you said. And I yeah. don't necessarily you know. think that people think of you as being crazy and strict. They respect you more for laying that down because you look really professional. You obviously know what you're That's doing. You've done this before, it? you know, mm, yeah. you're, it's like a, it's a very honest and very you know, straightforward transaction mm. basically. So if you go into it like that, they're like, cool, she's onto it, she's professional, and then you're good to go. I also think it's really important, the communication piece, because especially if you're working with corporate clients, there is a whole hierarchy above them and you need to arm your client with the ability to communicate up. So last year we had a whole series of experiences where the cost of goods and labour went up by 30%. So we tended on projects, we won those projects, we budgeted, did speculative budget, budgets based off previous year's forecasting then when it came to actually executing, all of the quotes were coming back across the board 30% higher. So because we were able to have really clear communications with our clients and express where these changes were coming in, it made it easier for them to then take it up the chain 
to communicate forward why these things were happening within the industry and for them to still keep investing or make, you know, strategic changes to the brief so that it would come in on budget or find the extra budget. I think having that clarity between you and your client and giving, arming them so that they're going back to the business looking like they know what they're doing and being completely capable is key as well. They also, I feel like when you do that for them, they actually are on your side more yes. as well. Because they're, they're like, your oh, no. yeah, yeah, they become your they, voice, which is really great. They definitely do. And then they're like, oh, I can see that she's done really hard, got lots of work and it's not her fault, you know? Yeah. It's one of the best ways to, if you're trying to problem solve, to get everyone as part of the solution. Yeah. You know, let's solve it together. We both have this issue. It's, you know, let's, mm. let's get what to the resolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess yeah. going back to pitching, that would be a really good thing to do if you are going to do a free pitch. Just make sure you set the parameters from the start so that they know that you're not going to go on and do the whole project or, you know, like this is what you're going to get for your free pitch. But after that, once we get to this point, you either need to say yay or nay and then we're going to re- negotiate the budget. Yeah. I think having that in writing if you are going to do it would be kind of good yeah. way to do it. We also do um, with a lot of our private clients because we get a lot of sort of inquiries around, you know, quite personal private events who aren't used to the creative process. So the best way that we've approached them, because we, when I first joined the big group, there was a lot of speculative tenders done for small events. And now we've sort of brought in a rule that, like we have the first discussion with the client, we sort of show them our portfolio, what we're capable of doing. And from that point, if they're then interested, we charge an engagement fee. So that's a way you, if you, we charge you the engagement fee, then we'll do the creative um, pitch for you. If you want to walk away, post that, like we retain the money that you've paid us. But if we, if you keep us on, that gets put against the creative development fees. And that's often a great way forward. I've done that with marketing managers before and just said, look, I'm happy to do this for you. Um, You know, you said you think it'll go ahead. If you pay for the pitch, in a sense, a small creative fee, if you pay for my graphic designer, you pay a little bit for your time, and then if it does go ahead, we'll take it, you know, it's part of the creative fees. And it becomes a deposit. Yeah. Yeah, sort of thing, and that can work really well. There are ways around things, you know. And I think if you can find those ways, as you said, the clients really, my experience is that the clients really want to work with amazing people. Mm, Yeah. And they'll often help you know, you to get, they're on your side because they, they've got um, a challenge, a problem, and we're going to solve it. And I think if you can, especially with marketing managers, yeah. you know, who are busy, yeah. they've got all this other stuff and all the people above them. Mm. If you can be there to support them, make, make their easy. brand move forward, yeah, they want that. They want your everyone's brilliance. They, they want that. They want to make it work. So I think if you can come up with, you know, solutions... I think they love that. Mm. When free pitching, one of the things that it's really important to allocate it from your point of view, thinking about things is money for legal fees and insurances. 100%. Um, we got a great job last year and then I realised I needed to spend, you know, a, a large amount of money um, getting all the contracts, mm. you know, yeah. done for all us and our uh, contractors and all of that. Shout out to the fabulous girls at Studio Legal. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it cost a lot, but um, you know you have to factor that in. Yeah, you know, Especially otherwise now. you can get caught out. Yeah, you know. So I think uh, legal fees and insurances. Some people, 
need um, professional indemnity. Some people just want public liability. But you've got to ask those questions um, mm. early on, I think, which is really good. It's also important to ask to be paid because lots of people come to you and they're like, there's no budget for the pitch because why would they not try that on if they if they can? Yeah, you know? yeah. And lots of the time you're like, I don't want to do it for free. And then they'll come back on the same day and be like, okay, well, how much would you need to yeah, do it? Yeah. And it's amazing it's how cheeky, often it happens. Yeah. I know, but it's yeah. amazing how often it happens and lots of people probably yeah. wouldn't even think to ask. But if you just ask. And then you get yeah. some cash. Yeah. I feel it's like true. we've hit on so many amazing high points in a in a short amount of time. But I want to sort of exclamation point for the beginners that are listening, the creatives who are just starting out. What are the unwritten rules? What are the things that they need to know going in if there was, you know, a book, a PDF, a course? Like what are a couple of the things that are, are we all know this as being in the industry for 10 years? But when the I script. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> script. When I first started out, um, I was really lucky to be asked to pitch for a SCADA in Paris, which was at the time like the most exciting email I could ever got as a young <laughs> illustrator, you Still know. pretty great yeah. email now. Um, <laughs> and I was asked to pitch against like 13 artists from around the world. I had no idea who they were and it was wow. like really, really full on. And the pitch was honestly like being on an, like a, a – a show on TV where they eliminate someone every week. So they would do that. Like the process went on for ages. It was started in, I think it was like September and it finished in February, which is quite a long time. There's a, a little really freelance illustrator, yeah. you know? And so I went through the process of um, pitching against these people. I had no idea what they were delivering or whatever. And I had to draw this girl in tropical par paradise basically. And during that pitch time, just in the pitch alone, I had to revise the woman's smile. Probably about 17 times. I've never drawn so many smiles to the point that I couldn't even figure out if something looked good or bad or not anymore, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you get to that point. Yeah. yeah. But then, so this was all just for the pitch to win it. Eventually I did win it, which was amazing. But the work that I'd been doing, which is always like the worst Photoshop file I've probably ever done. Everything was just like chucked on the top, cleaned up a little bit to make it look good in a hurry and then sent off to the client. But then I won it. They wanted to actually use that pitch file for the file for the project and I was like oh my gosh this is a nightmare so I ended up having to actually go back to the illustration redrawing it properly they needed it to be layered I'd drawn it flat so many things like that so I think one thing to ask is will this work that I'm doing here going to actually become the work because then you can think about well then you can how ask you're doing uh, how it. you're doing yeah. like what how your process is going to be Will they be, because it was going to be animated lately, will it be animated lately? Do they mm. need every single piece of a hand on a different layer so that you can actually prepare your files correctly? Because that was like a mega horrible pitch to do. But then the actual fixing up of yeah, my pitch file to actually have it. Job. Yeah, and oh, even God. just having like the high enough DPI for it to be printed for point of sale in the airports mm. and stuff, it was a total nightmare. So definitely ask that question. Will this be the final artwork if I get through? Yeah. And for people starting out, Steph, what would your script be? I, the biggest thing is to value your own time. And so I think when you're doing a pitch, like allocating a period of time you're willing to dedicate to it. So you've got to imagine that's the money you're willing to give away for free. So I think giving yourself a little bit of a, you know, cordoning off that time within your weekday, whatever it might be, to dedicate towards that so that you don't end up overcapitalizing on something that potentially could go nowhere. So it's getting that balance of what you're willing to give and what you're to get the to work is probably the first thing I do. Um, and then I think the other thing is 
be okay at the other side if you don't win the pitch. Be because, sweet. Yeah, be sweet. Yeah. <laughs> be sweet and also be still be proud of yourself because I think a lot of people probably pitch for things and then like you go on that roller coaster ride where you didn't win the work so then you're doubting yourself and as a creative we all know that sort of cycle of like this is hard, this is hard, this is hard, this is okay, this is terrible, this is great. (laughs) Yeah. Like that cycle, especially if you're by yourself working on something or you're a smaller agency, I think you've got to keep believing in yourself. This might just not have been the project for you and there's going to be other ones out there. And that I, you are gonna yeah, get. that you are going to get. Yeah. So I think you need to keep doing what you do well. You're not going to be for everybody. And I, that's okay. Oh my god, that's actually so such good true. dating advice as well. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Valentine's yeah. Day, yeah. like project dating. You are not yeah. for everybody. Yeah, yeah. more fish in the sea. It is. It's true. It really is. Just to hold the line. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't get it, but don't freak out about it. Yeah. You'll get the next thing. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want all the work. You want the things no. that where you fit like a glove yeah. with the client because I guarantee if you do, you will get it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And also kind of following on from that, make sure that the work you are doing for the pitch is you. Mm. You know how quite often people will give you, say, like a project reference or an artist reference or whatever and then halfway through they're like, can you just make it like this? And they're like, that isn't anything oh. to do with me and has nothing to do with even what I do every day. Why would you choose me if I'm just going to do someone else's work? So I think it's really important that you just stick to your guns and say, this is how I do it. Yeah. You know, so that you're representing yourself as well as whatever they want. Yeah. It is often useful. I guess, you know, the script for me, for people is when someone rings you and says, you know, we've got this piece of work, um, you know, we'd love you to do it. We love your style, that sort of thing. So you are just, you know. Thank you for calling me. I adore your pro- your brand or whatever. If if you do, mm. um, I'd love. I've just got a few questions. I'd love to run through. You know, is this a tender sort of thing? And if they say uh, yes, you say okay. Um, you know, our business is structured so that we don't do pitching. So let them know the bad news. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you can use words like. Um, we don't do creative works until we're engaged to do so, you know, those sorts of things. So you can be nice about it yeah. and you can explain to people. I think, you know, those sorts of conversations you need to have first and if you, you know, offer suggestions of a way forward. So it's at that point that I would say we adore this brief that you've sent us. We would love to give you our credentials and we would love to give you a one-page approach. So if we got your job, how would we go about it? Not the actual Not creative, doing the job. Yeah. but how you would approach it. Yeah. And I think that's been a great way forward for us, having mm. those sorts of scripts in my head. You yeah. know? Um, I think that's worked really well. And it, the more you talk to your clients about it and who you are, it's kind of like, the more that they, they respect you and they like you and they want to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. So just showing that you can have those difficult conversations in a really nice way is kind of proof that you, you can deal with the rough stuff as well. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's awkward, you know, it can be awkward, but you can make it not awkward. Exactly. And I think if you can do that, that's, that's a big win as well. I think also just breaking down. If I'm going to do this, this would take me X amount of time. 
here are some examples of what I would deliver for you from something that you've done before or whatever. Yeah, and this studies. amount of time would usually cost around this much money if it was for a project. Even just saying that to people, then that makes them realize the value of what they're actually getting yeah, from you. Totally. And even if you went back to them then and said, usually this would cost this much, but I really want to work with you. So maybe I'll do it for this much, which might be a little bit less just to try and get your foot in the door. At least then they know that they're getting this much value for this much money. Yeah. And even if they went and not wanting to pay you anything, they might want to pay you a little bit more now that they understand what actually goes into it because it becomes valuable. Another thing that's important, I think, when you are pricing is to understand the cost of the total spend for their project. Yes. Because, you know, if they're just asking for this illustration or whatever or this event design or whatever, you you do that and you say, oh, it costs this much. And, it, you know, it might be a major con- creative contribution and then you find mm. out they're spending a million dollars yeah. and you're getting 1% yes. of it. That's not okay either. No. Mm. So it is okay to ask what the total project value is to mm. give you an idea of where you should be pricing yep. as well. I've found that, you know, that feeling you get when you realise you know, what the contribution, creative contribution you've made and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm probably not getting that yeah. much out of this <laughs> and the contribution's been huge. Yeah. So I do feel getting an understanding for that is a, a massively important thing as well. Mm. I think also um, on the sort of not flip side but like where part of my role within our creative agency is we actually work with a lot of makers and artisans in that and like we pride ourselves in making sure the brief that we take to our suppliers, our, our collaborators, is as like there's it's there's got total clarity within it. So example, last Good year point. we worked with an illustrator and when we approached them, we said, we are going to pay you, you know, a nominal fee for you to do one drawing. This is the direction we want to go. If then it works out and the client likes it, this is the next next steps forward and this is what it will be used for and putting parameters around it so that the who you're collaborating with feels really comfortable at process and they're not being taken advantage of equally then you can manage the expectation of the end client at the same time so that they you're not getting 7000 revisions from them with small minor tweaks and then you're trying to cover the cost to pay the um the Australia, illustrator or yeah, whoever yeah. it might be um, so that it, there becomes a lot more clarity within the overall creative chain. And I do think that's sort of the upfront work. You know, we mm. always say whatever it's going to cost, just it's actually going to cost 20% more <laughs> than yeah. you think. Uh, you know, it will over time, Yeah. Um, you know, with the revisions and that sort of thing. And, and the so, phone calls or the yeah. Zooms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Conservatism, yes. I think, in that regard is a great thing. Yeah. It can be a great thing. Yeah. I've got another question here. Kelly, what would you do if a friend came to you and wanted to free pitch with you? What yeah. would you do? I'd probably be more likely to say yes because they're my friend. But then at first I'd be like, why are we doing it for free? I would definitely want to know all about who the client was and why they deserve it to be free. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, like are the, was the client asking or are we going to the client to pitch an idea? If we're going to the client to pitch an idea and my friend's got a cool idea, then I would definitely jump on board just for the fun of it because I always love doing fun things. Um, but if a client came to my friend and was like, we want you to do a free pitch and my friend was like, I'll get Kelly to help, then I'd probably be less inclined to do it and probably say no unless there were some great other perks like, it was a really cool project that would or a trip was a, to Paris. Yeah, a trip to Paris. <laughs> so it was like something that I really wanted to have in my folio that I was going to do anyway. 
there maybe, but usually I just still, even with my friends, be like, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, but no. <laughs> Steph, what would you say if a friend came and said, do you want to come and free pitch with me? Oh, this is sort of a funny one because generally it's within my work, personal, like life separate, when it's normally other agencies that we sort of do collaborate with that will come to us and say, do you want to do this? So definitely it's like, what's this for? What are the parameters around it? Like what's the longevity of the project? All of those bits and pieces. But generally I'd sort of say no. Like it seems a bit mean. But And then on the other side, I don't know about you guys, but I we get, like I personally get asked a lot, like, will you do my wedding for me and things like that, which is yes. very, very hard. And even with the, my team as well, like we've got graphic designers in our team and like people with floristry backgrounds and things like that. And they get asked all the time. So we've all sort of come up with this little thing that is, I won't, I'll do it for you, but this will be my gift to you. So that then at the other end, you're not having to also outlay for a massive present. Yeah, that is your gift to them for their special occasion. That sounds yeah. a good solution. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. It's a fancy gift. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Very nice. What about you, Amanda? Um, I have pitched on occasion with other agencies and sometimes that, that's actually worked where maybe, yeah, it is a pitch. We've come in on the pitch but they've paid us for it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, so that's worked quite well, mm. you know, so, you know, where this creative sell for hire in a way. So, yeah. and it's worked well. I definitely go in on a pitch if it's not a creative pitch, if it's more of a, a pitch for you as a team to go for a piece of work. Yeah. So pitching yourselves as a combined unit and how you could work well together, done that many times, but not so much actual execution of work. Yeah. I've, I've done pitches like that. Um, really good things with the beautiful people from Willett Marketing, yes, yeah. shout out to them. They, um, we've gone together as a team to several things and we've won some of that work and it's been really good mm. and the client knows who you are and they can see that you're stronger as that team than you are as the individuals. Yeah. And if you can make that work, it's actually quite powerful. It is. Really yeah. good. Yeah. So a conversation we have had, and I'm sure everyone's had a million times this week, is about AI and what is it, chat GPT yeah. and how that impacts creatives. Steph, well, you I'd... read us a quote <laughs> and I was like, this is genius. We need to I talk about this. I saw a really great, great quote by that artist, um, Daniel Arsham, who is He's an amazing sculptor artist, but then he also on the side is an architect and designs like amazing kiss stores and things like that. But he posted the other day, creators worried about AI. The good news is you're a terrible artist sometimes. You make mistakes. You entertain the absurd. You reveal things never seen. You are silly and you live in your own bubble. AI can't do any of that. It can only imitate your magic. Beautiful. I feel like that sort of is like, you know, you can't, because there's so much goes into creativity. It's emotion. It's personal experience. It's like feelings. It's like you can't replicate that in a to I don't know an AI way. I just don't think that'll ever become obsolete. Genuine creativity. I mm. totally agree. I feel so like as long as our clients keep appreciating your genuine creativity. Yes. Yeah. 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 Don't you yeah. feel we'll like make sure they do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't you I, feel like sometimes? Um, creatives in general always just have to like suck things up and take the higher ground you know and it's like yeah why do we always have to 
do they? (laughs) I do feel like there's this rise of creativity, just like when you see content creators nowadays and how, like there's this girl I follow on Instagram and I could not love her harder. Her name's Angela Hicks and she basically replicates like high fashion, like couture parades in her own home using garbage bags and things like that. Oh, hello, Stuart Walford. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she Stuart. is like, Specialist. and now she actually gets paid by the designers to emulate their designs. It's Ooh. fabulous. And like, you know, a couple of years ago, you, no one would have ever thought there was a genre within that. No. And I just think that that creativity and the way that, you know, she's twisted and turned it and developed a new creative form out of that, I think so long as you're always pushing yourself and being innovative, I think the cream will rise to the top. True. I do. And yeah. I do think AI, you know, when you think of like, you know, what's happened with social media and TikTok and all of that, to me, they're tools. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're my playthings. Mm. So AI is the same. Even, you know, you type in what you want or speak in what you want mm. and different things will come back. But what's going to happen is everyone's going to start to learn about it. And then they're going to tweak the questions so they get mm. different answers. Yes. And everyone's going to start to play with it yeah. and have fun with it. And then like TikTok, there'll be a new thing, Yeah, you know, and all of a sudden we'll work out the ways to suit ourselves with it. And I think it'll be something, like you said, something that's never happened before, something that's new, mm. something that's original, something that we don't know of that's going to happen yet. Mm. So yeah. I guess ultimately the AI is copying us learning from us and we're, we're the leaders right it's just yeah. imitating us or researching <laughs> from us i've seen have you seen how georgia perry has launched a new instagram account and it's using the ai tools to make her own like using her own art and ai, AI to make new art it's really cool oh my she's god she's amazing, amazing. Like yeah. furniture and all sorts. i can't remember the name of it talk about make it work for you yeah, yeah she's just like i'm just gonna have fun with it and put the put bots to work <laughs> well, and that's it. the thing the bots are researching all the things that have been done if yeah there was mm. ever a time to Follow the path that is not laid out before you. Now mm. is it. Totally. Break the rules. Do the different thing. Yeah. This is the moment because everyone else is going to be distracted by AI and using it as a tool, which is fun, but it's like have the confidence to follow that original Do thought. It. I'm just waiting for my time to run into the bush away from the robots. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's my plan. <laughs> At any time. Yeah, I'm ready. Go out along. <laughs> so let's talk about people mining for ideas for a second <laughs> yeah, I've had some great conversations with um, the beautiful Dan Castano uh, about this and we had a great comment also from Kate Benazzi who who doesn't have a Kate Benazzi hanging on their wall me but I get to see it at the studio <laughs> um, she said we went in a different direction Oof. and then you see the end result and you realize it the different direction was a cheaply rendered piss poor attempt at what you discussed <laughs> How do you navigate it? We've all been there, Steph. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard. Um, I think you've kind of, once the work is out there in the world, that's the imitation of what you've done. It's, I think you need to sort of keep the faith because it can be very easy to lose the faith and know that you're, you've got the originality and you're going to be able to come up with different ideas in and around that. But I don't think you need to call people out on it to a degree. Like I think where it's appropriate, I think you can say, I've just seen X, Y, and Z um, privately, privately, not in a public forum, and it looks very similar to the you know pitch concept I developed for you. Um, it's a shame that you know we couldn't work together on this. I feel like it would have been a great collaboration if it could have come to fruition, and just sort of put it back on to them to for them to understand that 
you've noted it and like be very wary moving forward. But won't they just say, oh, we had the same idea? Oh, you know what I mean? Like, I, think I guess it, if you've got, if they are dickheads like that though, that's yeah. what you can put on your Instagram story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be like, here's yeah. the email, here's yeah. the work I did and yeah. this is what they said. Yeah. Send it to Diet Prada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I, like you said, I wouldn't, you're really good at calling well, people Because I just get like, sick of I, shit like that happening yeah, and lots enough, of the time people good. don't say anything and it just keeps happening. But when you do say something, so many people will say like if, if, Someone copies my work and they print it on T-shirts in France or whatever. If I do, I always approach the person first who's mm. done it so that they can respond. Right or, and reply. Yeah. yeah. And maybe if it's something like they've used my product for my illustration for a product, then I can seek compensation. Always ask them first. But if anyone's a dickhead, if anyone just avoids it or like they just never reply and mm. I've like gone through all avenues, then I totally call it out because mm. I think mm, it's really right. important that they're aware of what they've done. And also it's amazing how many people message you and say, I didn't even think about that. I would have never considered like that you're not allowed to do that. And it's actually really interesting as a creative, how many people who are not in creative industry don't even know that it's bad to, to copy things that. or yeah. take someone's they, idea. Oh, so true. And so I think it's actually good to make people aware of it just as a conversation anything like separate from what happened to you and where it's gone and what it's doing now I think it's just good for general awareness you know same as us just talking about pitching right now I think it's just exactly the same thing yeah and what about the tire kickers what about the as you said the ideas miners mm. how do you deal with that I think you have to personally make a decision on how you want to approach that like I think you either have to make a stand on it and say again I'm not going to give my ideas away for free especially if it's a repeat because we've probably all had those clients that keep coming back and they're like, we've got this amazing project we think you'd be great for and then you, we want you to develop a concept around it. We're going to take it to the client and it goes nowhere. And once like we've had a, a series of those with a particular um, group of people and it's now come to the point that we're just like we will not develop any work unless this is a real tangible viable project and we are being engaged for it and we've requested an engagement fee makes complete sense yeah I think that's why it's important to also make sure that you've got your network and the people that you trust and have mm. the conversations and educate people and chat to your friends about it other creatives that are in the in the industry because if you share how you handled it you know well when the same thing happens to them they'll hopefully be able to navigate it as well there have totally. been numerous times that I've shared work correspondence with other artists if they just copy and paste it and put their own details in like I don't know you probably shouldn't do that but yeah (laughs) it's actually because otherwise people don't know people don't know how to do it like so many ceramicists who've had their work copied by a big box store Mm. and they're just like what do I do about this I'm like take this and oh that's fantastic yeah Yeah, otherwise you may as well help everyone out yeah I think it's important to be allies with other creatives yeah that's how you build a community and that's how you strengthen your own community so when you actually do decide to compete and you've asked the question, who am I competing against, and you find out, what do you do once you have that information? So I think that information just helps you understand who you're competing against and potentially a bit of research on what they may do. Um, and you can have a little bit of a brainstorm about, given the work that they've done more recently, you think that they might go down this path. 
Um, and you can have a bit of a brainstorm about that. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you talk, you hear those swimmers saying, it's all very well to know how the competition works, but when you dive in the pool, you, you're running your own race. And I always feel that's what we've done. Whenever, you know, there used to be store wars, <laughs> when yeah. we used to do the big runway designs and people would say to me, oh, are you worried about what they'll do or whatever? And I was like, I don't give that a second's thought. I'm just <laughs> on the brief doing what we do and hopefully it'll turn out all right. Yeah. And I think that's, you just have to go with that. You've got to go to your own call and bring out the best of the originality that you have um, and take it from there. So what what's the value in finding out who your competition is? If you are staying in your own lane, the value of knowing your competition is just firstly deciding if you want to compete or not. Whether then, you've, you're in the top two or not. Yeah. So deciding if you do want to compete against them. And then the second part of the value is understanding somewhat of the way they may approach that brief and it may confirm or propel you in a different direction. Yeah, you might say, well, let's t we know they're going to take that approach. Well, you're guessing we're going to go down this path because we think this will take the brand to a new level or something like that. So in the end, you're competing against yourself. I also think that when you find out who else is in the pitch, then you can ask the client, why do you want me to pitch? Like what's special about my work or what specifically appealed to you? You know, like do you love the way I use colour or do you love the, the line work or, you know, just so you know what they think is special about you so that you can really capitalise on that when you're doing your pitch. That is such a great comment because, yeah, it's like, why do you want me? Yeah, what's special about me and why am I interesting to you so that you can really hone in on what it is that they love and just really go large with that? And if they can't answer that question, probably you're just fodder. <laughs> you're you're number four. Yeah, <laughs> you're number four. Oh, we just need, you know, to fill out and yeah. tick the boxes. I just wanted that many people, so you're right. Yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> but, like, as you said, like, they they – as you said, marketing managers, they want something amazing. And if they can see that in your work, they they want it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Steph, design envy. Tell me about it. Oh, it's real. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> it so is. I think uh, we're just sort of having a little discussion before about it. Sometimes you sort of see something and you see a piece of work that you might have gone for and you've seen that it come to fruition and you've been like, oh, that actually really was but I think there's so much to learn from that. I think once you've, I think it's important to identify that feeling and go, oh, I am experiencing it's design exactly. envy right I'm now. Turning green. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think to learn from that and think, reassess it and see, oh, why, why didn't that turn out for me? And when I approach this next time, how am I going to do it differently? So I am the, you know, w winning the project slash you know being there, standing in that spot where other people have got design envy of the work that I've done. Not that that should always drive you, but you know what I mean. No, but it, it's <laughs> a competition. Yeah, it does. I think there's a big amount of admiration yeah. too for yeah. if, if someone yeah. does something well, no matter who they are, you've got to pay them dues. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? They've put the work in, you can see it, and it's nice. You, you feel mm. a bit sick and a bit, you know, green around the gills, but at the end of the day, you've got to be happy for them. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, which is good. So who does pre-pitching well? From a big company point of view, I have had pitches from telecommunications giants and we've been paid for it. 
So you can look at that like a job. I think the bigger companies are doing it better. Yeah. Or some of them. And I think just the your local marketing manager who you can talk to and educate, once they realize how how much they like working with you and maybe you've done one project, I feel like they understand and they can be your ambassador and, you know, request upwardly that there's no tender or we just pick someone, you know, and they can, the rules, in my opinion, are there to be bent and changed. I'm not talking about illegal things. I'm just talking about, um, you know, within a tender parameter, ask for what you want. Yeah. And I think if you have that relationship with those clients, you can make it work. I think you can also figure out pretty quickly which of those, what some of those tender processes that have got that flexibility into them. Yes. Like some tenders you get and it is a 70-page document and it is like there is boxes to tick and specific like things, things you need to, to address that you have to cover off. Whereas you'll sometimes get a, you know, three-page PowerPoint brief from an agency and you're like, oh, there's room to wiggle on this one. Mm. So I think you can quickly pick the battles to against. I sometimes think that non-creative industries are better than creative industries oh, when it comes to completely. Always the big ad agencies who want you to do stuff for free. Mm. And they're the ones who bust your balls when like on timelines and things because they've obviously got everyone above them and they're under the pump too and they just pass it all down to you. Whereas if you're just working directly with a bigger business that's not creative, I always find they're the ones who just think they don't even consider that they wouldn't pay you for your work, which that's I find obvious. quite yeah. interesting. And there is that moment, the closer you could be to the end decision maker, yeah. the less likely you are to get pushed around because you have a direct relationship with them. It's not, you know, you're not three or four people away from mm. that. Yeah. And that people on an email and you're like, who yeah. are all these people? Yeah. Yeah. Who's paying them? <laughs> yeah. Is this my, is this coming out of my job? You know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I do feel some of the worst companies are overseas companies. Yep. Those with Maisons yeah. in Europe, mm-hmm. you're at the end here in Australia of a very long line yes. chain of people and you have very little control, mm. very little control. And I also think they kind of approach it like, oh, look, we're European and we're interesting. Yes. We want to work for us. You know, yeah. like there's definitely like a bit of cockiness associated yeah. with it, which often doesn't. Isn't actually real. Yeah, but, equate. Yeah. yeah. And look, sometimes that looks great on you on the mm. resume. Yeah. But we all know now it's not the most creative work. No. No. You know? Not the most creative. Generally doesn't have a great timeline and there's generally no budget. Yeah. So There's the three no's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually prefer personally to work with small creative agencies or creative businesses. Like there are probably three people who are dealing with the client and that's it. And then it's straight to you and they don't clip the ticket 50 million times before it gets to you. And I find that in general they are even better at the whole process of a project as well. Like they seem to respect you more as a creative, probably because they're basically your peers, you know? It's yeah. a nicer way to work. Yeah. And they're often open to original things. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, can actually not, push your ideas a little bit more. Yeah, they're not bound so much. You know, when you're mm. talking about flex, they've got more flexibility to come up with new ideas. Yeah. You know, which I think is fantastic. What is the way forward for an industry with, no free pitching, Amanda. Well, I think it is the every job, if everyone in the industry just starts to have a different conversation about it. When someone rings you and asks you to free pitch, have the conversation. It might not work on the first time you talk to them, but the second and third, it may work. And 
certainly I've had gorgeous clients on the phone in the last week ringing up and saying, look, we'd love you to do this. And I'm, you know, is this a pitch? And, you know, they're like, oh no, I know you don't free pitch, you know, so. <laughs> Reputation. Yeah. 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 But which is really nice. Yeah. That the A, they know they must have heard somehow, probably because yeah. I talk about it, but the fact that they know, and I think all those relationships all over those years of me saying, look, this is the way, it's not just a no, it's this is the way we go about our work. This is what we think. This is what we value. And people have started to understand that. It's an education really, isn't it? Yeah. It's the same as how photographers used to license their work, but illustrators didn't and you used to just get like a flat fee for work and yes. that was it. And then, you know, lots of agencies started fighting for the artists to also get licensing, which is amazing. And at first people were like, there's no way, why would we pay for licensing if we're paying for the creation fee? Like it was always a battle, but now it's become more of an everyday thing that everyone does. Yeah. As well as creation. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's just getting people used to it, talking about it, explaining why it's important and the value of it. And then if they say no, then we'll see you later. And eventually people will come around and figure it out. You know? Yeah. And other industries, as you say, have better scenarios. Like, you know, for writers every time, the yeah, the royalties. Into a library, they get a little royalty. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. Totally. It's ed all education. It'll just take time. And the more people start doing it, then the less it's going to happen, right? Mm. What do you think, Steph? What's the way forward? Yeah, I think ed the education piece at the top, so because it always filters down. I think if, like, there is more sort of um, appreciation and nuance given to the time that it takes for creative to, creatives to develop their ideas, then that value should will eventually become inherent when you're taking it to market. So ideally it's when they're going out, they five companies, four companies, whatever it might be, and they've already put inside in their marketing budget the X amount of dollars to pay for each of those tenders. Because I, you might not get paid the actual money that you would do if you've yeah. just been engaged to do the job, but it's a bit of a an acknowledgement of faith and respect, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's more of a gesture than it anything. It is more of a gesture and I think that goes a long way um, within the creative industry to acknowledge the work that you do and the time and the value of it. I love it. Well, I think I hope we've come up with some great ideas for everyone who's listening today. Um, thank you to everyone who's put in questions or comments and thank you so much to Steph and Kelly and Zara for coming in today. And, yeah, we look forward to seeing you in the rest of Season 4. We've got some very beautiful people coming on the podcast. So we'll see you next time. Thanks thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks, guys.